Unbelievably. <laughs> I thought, good morning. It's lovely to be in Great Parks this morning. Um, thanks for the invitation. Um, I said, I did speak, but it was during lockdown, and I sent a recording, kind of weird thing to do. Um, but we got used to those days, didn't we? Um, as you'll get, the longer I speak, I'm not local. I wasn't born locally. So I, I suppose let me introduce myself. And um, so it gets that out of the way. Um, I'm Stephen Cowsley. I'm, I'm originally from the north of Ireland, as you can tell. Um, and maybe you couldn't. Um, I grew up on a farm. Um, it was lovely this morning at the prayer time at the back um, to hear cows out the back. I was just, I just kind of go, wow, it's nice. To, it feels like coming home. And um, it was great. The Lord knew what he was doing. Um, I grew up in a Christian home in a God-fearing church, and um, I was converted as a young teenager, um, came to faith in Christ in my early teens, and um, then at the age of 19, felt God's call in my life um, to full-time Christian ministry, and went off to Bible College in Edinburgh um, to the faith mission. I think one or two of you have come across them once or twice, and um, then spent the next 16 years um, with the mission, and then... 14 years ago, nearly 15 years ago, in my 15th year, we moved to Exeter, where I'm presently the pastor um, of St. Thomas Baptist, so you'll forgive me um, for that. And um, I'm married to Joanna. We have four children. Amy's a second year at university. Luke's an apprentice mechanic. Lana, I have to stop and remember which order they came in. <laughs> Lana's 15 and at high school, and then Kayla, her youngest, is 12 and also at high school. So that's, the, the, that's who the little Irishman is, and that's a little potted history of here I am. So it, often when you get a new preacher, you kind of go, who is he and where's this guy from? So um, that's a little bit about us. If you've got a Bible this morning, I trust you have, I want you to open, please, to 1 Peter and chapter 1. 1 Peter 1. And we're going to read from verse 13. Peter's writing here to not our church, but the church that's been scattered. Folk who found life really difficult. Situations, economically, they were broke. Spiritually, they were in a difficult place because they were facing persecution. So Peter wants to write to encourage the church and to remind the church of the good of God. And so I'm going to read from verse 13, 1 Peter 1. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as you were called you to be holy, so be holy in all, for it is written, be holy because I am holy. Since you call on the Father who judges each man, work impartially, live your lives as strangers here in reverent fear. For you know that it is not with perishable things such as silver and gold, that you were redeemed from the empty ways of your life handed down from your forefathers, 
but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him, so that your faith and hope are in God. We'll end our reading just there. Can we just bow in prayer for a moment? Father, may my words be faithful to your word so that we might give glory to the word. Help us, O Lord, this morning we pray for Jesus' sake. Amen. Growing up in a Christian home and in a good church, there was words that were used all the time that I think people just assumed that everybody knew what they were. There are Bible words that are used all the time that, it's funny, Steve mentioned this morning, do you know what it means to be saved? Often the preacher would ask you those questions, are you saved? And if you weren't used to church, you weren't used to hearing a preacher, then you would go, well, what's he talking about? And there are words that we use, and, 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 and they're biblical, but I wonder, do we, words like justification, words like sanctification, words like regeneration, words like redemption, words in the Bible that we, we know and we've heard. There was an old hymn. Um, I, often on a Sunday night in church, we would have, when I was growing up, they would have had hymns singing at the beginning, and you were allowed to pick your favourite hymn. And I would always pick, well, I always pick one called Redeemed How I Love to Proclaim It. One, because our organist made that thing dance, and, um, and it was one of those gooey tunes. But those words, Redeemed How I Love to Proclaim It, Redeemed by the Blood of the Lamb, do you know that? Redeemed through his infinite mercy, his child, and forever I am. Who ever sang that? None of Bush, you, you folk are backward. And um, <laughs> Redemption Hymnal. It's in Sankey too, so actually some of you should have. And, um, but it was one of those hymns, it was, but we use the word, redeemed how I love to proclaim it, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, redeemed through his infinite mercy, his child and forever I am. And I used to know those words off by heart as a child, and if somebody asked me, Stephen, what do they mean? I'd gone, no idea. Just like the tune. This morning, we're going to look at one of those Bible words. And, and try and understand what it means. And the word we're going to look at this morning is the word redemption. Redemption. Now, if you were to look up at a dictionary, it would simply mean to be delivered by paying a price, to sever from bondage, to recover, to release on reception of ransom. That doesn't really help on our understanding of the word. So I want to paint in your mind's eye this morning a picture it's not a very pleasant one to start with. I want you to paint a picture of an ancient slave market. And there you're, you are bound by chains. You have no hope of freedom. You're living in utter misery. You're forlorn. The only eye contact you make is with the ground. You have no hope here and you have no hope for the days ahead. By the way, when we talk about slavery, 
I hope you realize that it's still not finished with. Actually, last Sunday evening in our church in Exeter, we had, and I would highly recommend them, International Justice Mission, the the evangelical version of Amnesty International. Claire, who came to speak, I don't think there was a dry eye. Today, as we sit here in our comfort, there are 50 million children in slavery. One in every 150 people in the world is a slave in 2022. She told the story of of a father, three kids, wife, from Thailand, middle class, working class family. He lost his job and someone recommended he move down to the coast and and get a job on the fishing boats. So he said to his wife, listen, it's good money, I'll go down, two months I'll be home. He got a job in the fishing boats. He was taken out to a big ship. Get this, seven and a half years later, without once in that seven and a half years of ever seeing dry land, that ship was raided by the Thai police and he was rescued. His wife thought he had just run off. His kids didn't want anything to do with him. But for no fault of his own, he was dragged into slavery. That's today. So when we talk about a slave market, we often think of, you know, before Wilberforce's time, Actually, we could do with a few more Wilberforces around today. But the picture is bleak. Only as you stand chained, the people standing around you are wealthy. They're there to buy and sell you. You're just nothing more than a piece of meat, a commodity. And the only hope you have is whoever bids the highest price for you will at the end of that auction come to you, take a set of keys, unchain you and give you your freedom. But the likelihood of that was slim, virtually impossible. So if you were going to be a slave, you were going to be a slave for life. What you needed someone to do is to be set free. You needed someone to redeem. And that's the word. To redeem you. When you read in Luke chapter 24 and verse 21, the two disciples on the road to Emmaus, they said, but we had hoped that he, talking about Jesus, was the one who was going to redeem Israel. But he's been dead for three days, so. They'd hoped that this Jesus was going to come and redeem Israel, set his people free. Now, there are at least a dozen different Hebrew words and Greek words to describe redemption. There are at least 150 passages of Scripture that deal with the subject of redemption. You got your Bible, you strapped in, you ready? Now, we're not going to deal with them all in one go this morning, trust me. But just a couple of things for the sake of time. 
Let's have a look at first, let's get a basic understanding of what the Bible means by being redeemed. The word was used in every day-to-day illustrations throughout Scripture. Leviticus chapter 25, verse 25. If one of your countrymen becomes poor and sells some of his property, his nearest relative is to come and to redeem what his countryman has sold. You are into hard times. You had to sell up. Someone could, a member of your family could rock up and could redeem that property, buy that property back and goes, here, it's yours again. So you could redeem property. Actually, if you read on in Leviticus 25, verse 47, suppose a foreigner or a temporary resident becomes rich while living among you. If any of your fellow Israelites fall into poverty and are forced to sell themselves to such a foreigner or to a member of his family, and they still remain, retain the right to be bought back, even after they've been purchased, they may be bought back by a brother, an uncle, or a cousin, In fact, anyone from the extended family may be brought back. They may may also redeem themselves if they have prospered. So you could redeem a piece of property or you could redeem a person. Someone who found themselves on the hardest of times, who sold themselves into slavery. You could redeem that person. But the most common term, especially in the Old Testament in regard to the word redemption. It's, it's used with a little phrase that's talked about a kinsman redeemer. And the best illustration of that is, in, is found in the book of Ruth, in Ruth chapter three. Ruth found herself in desperate need because of being married into Naomi's family circle. And Boaz, who was a kinsman redeemer, Ruth 3, verse 12. Although it is true, I am a near kin. There's a kinsman redeemer nearer than I. Stay here for the night. And in the morning, if he wants to redeem, good, let him redeem. But if he's not willing, as surely as the Lord lives, I will do it. So lie here until the morning. Boaz promised, listen, I'm your near relative. I'm a near relative of Naomi. Because you're the daughter-in-law, I can become your kinsman redeemer. I'm close enough to you to be able to set you free from the mess that you find yourselves in. You can redeem a piece of property. You can redeem a person. You can redeem a relative. 18 passages of Scripture in the Old Testament describe God as our Redeemer. Psalm 19, verse 14. May the words of my mouth, the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Actually, the word redeemed came up a couple of times in the songs we sang this morning. How God is my redeemer. Job says, I know that my redeemer lives, that in the end I will stand upon the earth. He called God his redeemer, the one who was able to set him wonderfully, gloriously free. And the reason why in the Old Testament so often God is called a redeemer is because they had a very clear picture of what God was like, especially in relation to the nation of Israel. 
Deuteronomy 7, verse 8, Moses. Because it, but it was because the Lord loved you and kept his oath that he swore to your forefathers that he brought you out by a mighty hand. He redeemed you from the land of slavery, from the power of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Children of Israel had been slaves for years in Egypt, and it was God, not Moses. It was God who set them free. So the children of Israel had this very clear picture in their mind that God was their redeemer. That's our basic understanding. That, so it, it, it's to pay a price. It's to set someone free. It's to recover, whether a piece of land or a person or a relative. That's our basic grasp of what redemption in the Bible is about. But why is it important to understand what it means to be redeemed? We've, under, we've got a basic understanding. The reason we need a basic understanding is because you and I have a basic need. Romans 7 verse 14. We know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. See, it seems a little strange that I would describe you, or the Bible would describe you, sitting in great parks this morning, in your comfortable seats, and, 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 and lovely weather outside, painting in sunny Devon, with all the freedoms that we enjoy as a nation, to describe you and me as a slave. But that's how the Bible describes us. We are been sold as slaves to sin. The Apostle Paul in the same chapter describes it this way. The good things that I should do, I don't. And the stuff that I shouldn't do, those are the things I do anyway. Do, do you feel an affinity to this fella? <laughs> do you kind of think he's talking language? Do you think he's kind of lived in your shoes? The stuff that I should do that I just don't, the stuff that I shouldn't do, and those are the things that, and I just, you ever said it? I just couldn't help myself. The reason that's the case is because we are slaves to sin. Paul explains it better in, in chapter 3 and verse 23. For all have sinned, all have fallen short of God's glory. It's not the easiest watch. I wouldn't really recommend it as a movie. Well, maybe a there's a movie, modern movie called 12 Years a Slave. Anybody seen it? Yeah. Um, we took a group of men from the church one night to watch it. We all sat and we all watched the movie. The lights came up and we all went, whose idea was this? Um, it's It's very graphic. It's premises, this fella, African-American, who was free, living in, in the east coast of America during the time of slavery found himself traveling, found himself captured, found himself 12 years a slave. No fault of his own, kidnapped, made a slave. But don't, I'm a slave because of my own sinfulness. Galatians 3.22, but the scripture declares that the whole world is a prisoner to sin. prisoner to sin. I was born a slave to sin. There's nothing I can do. I am bound. 
I am chained by the things that I should not do and I cannot cast them away any means of my own efforts at all. One old hymn writer nailed me once for my God I wandered far and with his holy will made war but now my song to God abound I'm standing on redemption ground. We rebelled against God and because we rebelled and we waved our fist of sinfulness against God's holiness then that automatically made you and I a slave to sin. Paul again to Titus, Titus 3.3. At one time, you too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. A man does not describe us so well. Enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures, we, still, we lived in malice and in envy, being hated and hating one another. Our basic need, the fact that we are slaves to sin. And our basic need is the fact that we need to be redeemed. I've got a basic understanding. The Bible says I can set a bit of property free, I can set a person free, I can set a relative free. I need to be set free. So here is God's extraordinary provision. He sent you and I a redeemer. Galatians 4, 4. But when the time fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive the rights of sons. Why was Jesus born? One of the reasons he was born was that he could become our brother. You see, the only way for a kinsman to work, he had to be a relative. And Christ took on human flesh. He walked in your shoes. He wore your skin. He was born of a woman so that he might redeem those under the law and that he might give us the full right of sons. He came to take, get alongside us so he could do for us what nobody else could do. He came to become our kinsman redeemer. Boaz in the Old Testament, hmm just happened to be related. But Jesus chose, chose to be related to the likes of you and me. Boy, that's some thought. So that he might set us free. He was and is the only one willing and the only one able to set anyone free. John 10 verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. 
goes on in verse 18. No one takes it from me, my life from me. I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. This command I've received from my Father. In the fact that him describing himself as the good shepherd who lays down his life, who gives something, who willingly ransoms his own life to set you and me free. See, a price has to be paid for our freedom. The Bible says the wages of sin is what? Can you tell me? Death. A price has to be paid for sin. And for a true kinsman to work, that kinsman must be related to me. He must be willing and able. He must have the means to set me free. By Jesus dying on the cross, that was the means he used to set, give us freedom. Hebrews 10 verse 4, because it is impossible for the bloods of bulls and goats to take away sins. You can sacrifice till the cows come home, or there's no cows left, says the writer of the Hebrews. And it won't make one difference to your sin, and it won't set you free for one moment of time or eternity. Therefore, when Christ came into the world, Sacrifice and offering he did not desire, but a body he prepared for me with burnt offerings and sins. Offerings were not pleased. He said, here I am. It is written in the scroll. I have come to do your will, O my God. The writer of the Hebrews nails it. If I used every animal and every animal's sacrifice, it wouldn't be enough to set one person or one for one moment free. But when Christ came, he made a sacrifice once and for all to set you and me gloriously free. I owe a debt, says the old hymn, I couldn't pay. He paid a debt he did not owe. That's why we read those verses in 1 Peter. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver and gold you were redeemed from. You know, in all my years of ministry, I have met many folk and they've said, you know, I think I can, I can, I can get right with God by, I can get right with God if I go to church. You know, if I, if I even go to a good church, like great parks, that'll, that'll help. Hmm. No, it won't. Because how often would you have to go? Well, maybe I can get right with God by, 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 by being good. How good would you need to be? Maybe I can get right, right with God by giving. Well, how much would you have to give? Peter says, very bluntly, you're not redeemed with things like silver and gold. The stuff that you bring, the stuff that you do, the stuff that you think will work. The only thing that makes me right with God, the only thing that deals with my chains of sin, the only thing that sets me free is what Christ has done. We're redeemed by the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. Context is really important here. 
Peter's reading this letter. Remember I said at the beginning, to a church that scattered. There were roughly 60 million slaves in the Roman Empire. And many had come to faith in Christ. Many had become Christians. And they were still slaves. And Peter stands up and he writes and, and he tells them, Here folk, you, you can't be set free from your master who, who, who lives down the road. You belong to him. But your sin has caused a greater debt with God. Now, if you have the money or the means or any opportunity to set yourself free from him, then how on earth are you going to ever set yourself free from God? How are you ever going to set yourself free from your sin? How are you ever going to get right with God? Well, that just makes, makes me more miserable. <laughs> makes me even more depressed. And then Peter says, listen, boys. You can do nothing about the earthly master you're attached to. But God has done something. God took the initiative. He sent Jesus. Became just like you. Took on human flesh. Became your brother. Went to a cross so that he, with his own blood, might purchase your redemption. So that you might be free from your sin forever. Got a funny thing, those were the first charismatics because I've got an idea, one or two of them must have shouted, Hallelujah. Mm. Hey? Folk who understand what it meant to be a slave. Literally. <laughs> now the penny drums. Jesus has come to give me redemption. There are three, I need to finish, there are three important Greek words used for redemption. One means to buy in a market. The other means to buy out of the market so the person can be sold again. And the other means to be set free. Let scripture explain this. Revelation 5, 9. And they sung a new song saying, You are worthy to take the scroll, open its seals, because you were slain, and with your blood you have purchased, redeemed, men from God, for God, from every tribe and language and people and nation. He has bought us out of our sin. Paul nails it. 1 Corinthians 6, 19. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, who you have received from God, and you are not your own, you were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. He has bought you out of your sins. He has bought us so that we might never return to slavery. Galatians 3, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law because he was made a curse for us. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Jesus Christ so, through, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. 
Folk, he just didn't come to set me free from my sin. He came that I might never need to go back to being a slave to sin again. And then he bought us to set us free for time and for eternity. Titus 2.14 Who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own eager to do his work. Let me try and tie the threads together. I stand in a slave market. I stand chained by my sin, my sin of thought, words, and deeds. No matter how hard I try, I cannot break them. And every sin I commit weighs me down heavier. I lift my eyes as I stand in the slave market. There is no one. No clergyman. No priest. No religious leader. Who's got any power to do anything for me. I stand utterly hopeless. I stand condemned. I stand destined to be a slave forever. Then Jesus takes the stage. He steps forward and with his own blood he purchases my freedom because of what he did in the cross my chains are now gone because of what he did I no longer have to stand as a slave to sin I am now utterly gloriously free folk that's what the Bible describes as redemption. So here's the punchline. Are you redeemed? Huh. Are you redeemed? Has there ever been a moment in your life when you've known Christ has set you gloriously free? Or you still try to do it all yourself? Folk, you can try, but it won't work. It'll never work. And this morning, if you know that you have been redeemed, how do I put this delicately? Tell your face. And let the world know. 
Why is it Christians are the most miserable people that folk meet? And yet, we have been the ones who have been set free the most. Hmm? Redeemed how I love to proclaim it. I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. I've been redeemed through His infinite mercy. His child forever. I am. Do you know anybody this morning that's a slave to sin? Haven't you got the greatest news in all the world that they can be set wonderfully free? So why don't you tell them? In Jesus, I have found someone who can do for me what I could never do for myself. The next time you sing, He's my Redeemer. I hope that puts a smile on your face. I hope that makes something from in here well up to say, Hallelujah, what a Savior. And we thank God for what he's done for you and me. Can I pray? Let's do so. Lord, you could have left us in our sin. <laughs> you could have left us standing in the slave market, helpless, hopeless, bound. But you in your mercy and in your love and in your grace didn't just reach down but came down to take on flesh to become my true kinsman redeemer and with your own blood purchased my freedom. Lord, if there's someone here this morning and they don't know that freedom, Lord, would you in your grace help them to come to Christ, the only one who can set them gloriously free. And Lord, for those of us who know what it is to be redeemed this morning, help us to live as a people who are free. For who the Son sets free will be free indeed. Help us to live not bound by sin, but in a way that honors and glorifies our Redeemer. Lord, what's been of me may it be forgiven and forgotten, but what's been of you, drive it home, we pray, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing.